0: You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned.
1: Hello. Mrs. Hillard, I presume?
0: Yes. I'm Miranda Hillard.
1: You've Oh,
0: yes. Won't you please come in? Thank
1: you. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. You're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we watch them without the rose-colored glasses. Objectively, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia?
0: This week, we watched 1993's family comedy drama, Mrs. Doubtfire. A family
1: favorite, but Brandon, does it hold up in 2020?
0: Actually, based on a 1987 novel, Madame Doubtfire, or known in the U.S. as Alias Madame Doubtfire, by Anne Fine, did not know that. Mrs. Doubtfire kind of seemed like a show or an episode we we, sh- we could have done. I mean, years ago, honestly, kind of a quintessential 90s film, one that had been requested a couple of times and one we debated whether or not we wanted to do because I think it had such a, a positive pop culture image at least or from what i remembered anyway people seem to really love this movie and so i didn't know if it was one worth revisiting but you know on the surface level there could be something problematic about this premise so we figured you know what fuck it dude let's check it out
1: i remember growing up watching a lot it was a very popular movie in my vhs shelf Uh, My mother loved it. My grandmother loved it. Both big Robin Williams fans. And I think this was one of my first, besides maybe the genie from Aladdin, one of my first experiences with Robin Williams was this movie. Definitely interesting to see some of the themes of it in terms of divorce and family and separation and all that kind of stuff. And also the transphobia.
0: Oh, there's a whole hell of a lot of that in here, my friend yeah Uh, yikes but yeah like you came from a i was a child of divorce so this kind of hit me personally but also like you my entire family enjoyed this movie there wasn't a single member of my family who didn't quote this movie who didn't have a favorite scene yeah well-worn vhs in the collection by far and as we mentioned previously we're huge robin williams fans this is our third film with him following what jumanji and flubber yep also our third film directed by chris columbus not the explorer who stole land and now represents a symbol of hate and oppression for many in this country. Rather the guy behind adventures and babysitting, man. You Ooh. know? Heartbreak Hotel. Only the lonely, home alone one, and of course two, which we did do. Nine months, future episode bicentennial, man. Stepmom, we did Harry Potter one, Sorcerer's Stone, he did that. Uh he also did the second one, Chamber of Secrets, Rent, I Love You Beth Cooper, Percy Jackson, the first one, and Pixels.
1: Ugh. Great pixels stay tuned for pixels we're gonna break <laughs> format for Pixels. This is the third
0: time we've said that because whenever pixels comes up we have to keep if we keep doing this guy's movies we're gonna keep repeating that joke
1: <laughs> eventually we're gonna get to pixels
0: <laughs> uh, so it's got a 7.0 on imdb and a fresh but not certified fresh 71 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So almost the exact same page, critics and audiences, it seems. The movie was an enormous hit back in 1993. It cost $25 million to make. It earned $219 million in the U.S. and $441 million worldwide. It was the second highest grossing film that year domestically, just behind Jurassic Park. The remainder of that top 10, by the way, The Fugitive at number three, followed by The Firm, Sleepless in Seattle, Indecent Proposal, In the Line of Fire, The Pelican Brief, Schindler's List and Cliffhanger at number 10. All of those almost exclusively for adults, except for Mrs. Stillfire, really, and Jurassic Park, I suppose.
1: This movie outgrossed Schindler's List?
0: Fuck yeah, it did, man. Oh my God. People loved Robin Williams in a a wig.
1: Jesus. Okay.
0: (laughs) It's also the highest grossing cross-dressing film, in case you uh, wanted that box office stat. Thanks. You're welcome. It won an Academy Award for Best Makeup, deservedly so as well as best picture musical comedy and best actor musical comedy at the golden globes that year. Movie was shot in San Francisco and the exact address became a tourist attraction for some time after the film's release. In fact, following Robin Williams' death in 2014, the house became sort of an impromptu memorial for the actor. Robin Williams famously said during the making of this movie he would often walk around San Francisco in the outfit uh, as Mrs. Doubtfire, one occasion even stopping at a sex shop to buy a large dildo and other toys did not get recognized. <sighs> He's the best, man. He was the best. <laughs> I know, I miss that man. He was the best. That Oscar-winning makeup took about four hours to apply each time, so I imagine that must have been kind of a bitch in the makeup chair. Tim Allen, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Rick Moranis, Bill Murray, and Tom Hanks were all reportedly considered for the role. It seems like it's those same fucking five group of guys that gets considered for every major role in Hollywood during the 90s.
1: I'm going to stop you. Mrs. Doubtfire starring Rick Moranis? Sign me the (laughs) fuck up. Yes, yeah. I'll please. take that over Mel
0: Gibson's Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Oh, 100%. Fuck. I love Rick Moranis. I want I want Rick Moranis to come out and remake <laughs> this movie. I'm not always a big fan of the remakes. I will sit down and watch old Rick Moranis do Mrs. Doubtfire 2021.
0: <laughs> I'm in. I'm genuinely in for that too. The guy needs to come out of retirement. I miss yeah. him so. Chris Columbus would use two or three cameras at a time when shooting Robin Williams' scenes, just in case you didn't know. He's obviously a famously improvisational actor, so most of it he would just come up with on the spot. Uh columbus described it as almost shooting a documentary rather than your typical comedy williams improvised so much so that there were an allegedly a pg a pg-13 on r and an nc-17 edit of the film though always intended to be released as a pg-13 but based on his dialogue alone they could have gone that far
1: nc-17 mrs doubtfire sign me the fuck up oh my god what the hell? I feel robbed
0: now. I feel like we yeah, exactly. watched a
1: way shittier movie. I would love to see even an R rated Mrs. Doubtfire.
0: Fuck. Yeah, Lars von Trier's Mrs. Doubtfire. God damn it. Yeah. Shit. Uh, but the MPAA did slap it with the PG thirteen rating for some sexual references.
1: Oh, it's because they talk about dildos.
0: <laughs> a lot of and a lot of tiny dick jokes, too. Yeah, there are a lot of tiny dick jokes, too. Oh, And lastly, talk of a sequel began actually back in 2003 with a script being written by Bonnie Hunt, last seen on the show with Williams and Jumaji. He was set to return, but allegedly was unhappy with the plot which would have involved Mrs. Doubtfire moving close to his daughter's college so he could keep an eye on her, you know what I As
1: mean? As Mrs. Doubtfire? As Mrs. Doubtfire. That's essentially like a, a plot of Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's rumored that this whole movie was actually concocted as a tv movie or i'm sorry a theatrical movie for home improvement like an extended home improvement episode that would become a movie where tim allen got divorced from his wife on the show and had to come back as a nanny to like (laughs) visit his children could you imagine i'd
1: kill myself that sounds so (laughs) fucking awful everything about that sounds terrible i hope that's not a true rumor
0: Oh, my gosh. I hope that one joins the, yeah, Richard Gear and the gerbil and in rumors, I pray, are not true. Yeah,
1: fuck off with that one.
0: I'm glad, though, that Robin Williams didn't succumb to studio pressures and just make a sequel for the fuck of it. You know what I mean? He clearly liked this character a lot and didn't want to do a movie unless it truly lived up to the standard. So, you know, good on them. And then, of course, uh, you know, due to his sudden death yeah. in 2014, ultimately that sealed the project's fate once and for all. So there's no plans currently to do this as a movie however there have been plans for years to do this as a stage musical yeah which
1: uh, you know what sure why not
0: why not indeed uh anything else Zach I mean I know we were kind of brief in the beginning about our history with the movie but I feel like this is such an iconic movie for the e- everyone has memories of watching this movie and this was clearly near and dear to our heart but I hadn't seen this I, I will say in probably 10 years it's probably been a good decade since I've seen it
1: Oh, I think longer than that for me. I don't think I've seen this since I was probably like 10 years old. Wow. I think it's been like a solid like 18 years since I've seen this movie.
0: That's crazy. Despite how long it had been though, bits and pieces of this just came back, you know, in an instant like, holy shit. I mean, speaking of, here we go. The start of this, the
1: Figaro opening. It's so fitting that The first shot is just Robin Williams doing voiceover work.
0: Immediately sets the tone for his, you know, comic performance in this. It's loud. It's charming. It's big. But he's doing multiple voices in this recording booth for a couple cartoon animals switching back and forth between the two, which, by the way, I'd like to believe when they do these, you know, they separate them by this is your character's dialogue. You'll do it this way. Not him in some sort of Jekyll and Hyde (laughs) like back and forth carrying on a conversation that way. I imagine like Seth MacFarlane and Family Guy doesn't switch between Peter and stewie and quagmire and back again but maybe they do i don't know that's that's mind bogged
1: you know i think i've seen some behind the scenes and i think he might do it that
0: way i don't know i i always wondered if those were just promotional to be like oh look this guy's talented he does all these voices i wonder if they do that exactly actually. that's in- yeah.
1: that's possible too yeah i don't know if if you know the answer <laughs> yeah. do it do us a favor, don't don't email
0: us. We don't care. Well, he is Daniel Hillard, a freelance voice actor who right here at the beginning quits his job because apparently he's got morals. He refuses to stick to the script that seems to be promoting smoking to children.
1: Yeah, it's like a Tweety bird or yeah, it's Tweety Bird and like Sylvester. It's supposed to be like a knockoff of that and like s- the cat catches the bird. And instead of giving him, you know, a last phone call or whatever, he gives him
0: a sweet, smooth cigarette. That's right. He doesn't want to do the voiceover if the little bird cartoon character is going to smoke a cigar. And in the words of Porky Pig, piss off, Lou. So this guy, he leaves work to go pick up his kids at school. Let's meet the fucking Hillard children, man. We got the oldest daughter, Lisa Jacob, as Lydia Hillard. Hadn't seen her much after that, looked into it. Apparently, she retired from acting at 21 in 2001. Wow, interesting. Yeah. There's the middle son, played by 90s royalty Matthew Lawrence. He plays Chris Hillard. Zach, who's your favorite Lawrence bro, bro?
1: There's just so many. to. (laughs)
0: Yeah, in case you don't remember, folks, the Lawrence brothers, they had their own sitcom back in the 90s called Brotherly Love, which was that on the Disney Channel? Or ABC? I, I can't I th- remember. Dude, I watched it, Don't though.
1: fucking look at me like I watched Brotherly Love, you piece of shit. I did? Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> what the, What is that supposed to mean,
0: dude? I don't know. I, I hate you. I was a Lawrence head. We all were. Yeah,
1: of course. Well, we're all Lawrence
0: heads. Duh. There was Matthew Lawrence. That's this one. He plays, you know... Chris Hillard here. He's also in Boy Meets World and The Hot Chick, Zach's favorite movie. Yeah, There's Joey Lawrence, who voiced Oliver in Oliver and Company. He was also on that mm-hmm. show Blossom, later turned up in Urban Legends Final Cut, and that show Melissa and Joey, which was him and Melissa Joan Hart a couple years back. Then there's Andrew Lawrence, the youngest bro, who was in Bean... And I think that's about it. But he also did the voice for TJ in Recess, that Disney show. Oh, yeah. Zach wants to blow his brains out. Yeah, I just and don't I fucking tell. care.
1: I just don't fucking care. I mean, if I had to answer your question, I guess
0: Matthew Lawrence. Exactly. Thank you. That's the right boy answer. Meets,
1: boy meets world.
0: Yeah, exactly. So finally, there's the youngest Hillard. That's Natty, Natalie Hillard, Mara Wilson herself in her film debut. Matilda did.
1: She's fucking adorable as a kid. She's like every... Thing i see her in she's just
0: fucking adorable yeah and also retired from acting in 2000 later returned though in 2012 so apparently she's acting yep. again yeah this is her first movie she's ever been in this was the first one i had seen her in and she is just charming as hell man her she whispers all of her dialogue and it's just so fucking sweet every time she opens her mouth my heart skips you know what i mean dude? correct me if i'm wrong
1: she's also on um miracle on 34th street right
0: that's right yep the remake sure yeah.
1: That's, you know what, those are the two, like, my mom loved, Mrs. Doubtfire and Miracle on 34th Street.
0: Sounds like you had a wholesome all-American mom. Yeah.
1: You know, she, and then my grandmother, like, let me watch Breakfast Club when I was six years old, so there you go.
0: Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So so it's uh, Chris's 14th birthday, and Daniel's gonna throw him one hell of a 90s kid's wet dream of a party, man. It's got everything you'd ever wanted a party. Balloons. Farm animals. House of Pains, jump around is blaring.
1: Oh, fuck yeah, of course there is.
0: No parents, kids are just fucking jumping on sofas and furniture. There's a horse eating a soccer ball cake. It is chaos incarnate.
1: It's awesome because, like, obviously, if these kids were just a little bit older, everybody would be fucking drunk and making out. But instead, it's literally just kids, like, not really doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're
0: just listening to music, kind of running around in place.
1: Yeah, exactly. They make it out to be like this raging, crazy party, like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. It's like, okay, yeah, the zoo animals were a little much, but like, other than that, it's literally just like kids, like, not doing
0: anything. They're
1: just dancing in place.
0: Yeah. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, in San Francisco you need a permit to have like a pony or uh, a sheep in your yard (laughs) yeah i know fucking okay well sally field she's had it up to here she plays miranda robin williams wife their mother he's standing on top of a fucking table leading a dance of some kind and she is understandably furious with this guy in a sort of twist on the 90s dad works too much to be fun or take care of the kids it seems like in this movie (laughs) dad doesn't work enough Dad doesn't work enough. Miranda's the career woman, and she's sort of forced into that position because her husband is a freelance voice actor with a moral compass.
1: I was gonna say because he can't just like push one cigarette ad on kids, <laughs> fucking baby. Get over it.
0: Exactly. Pick your battles, man.
1: Smoking's cool. We hear it nostalgically damn. <laughs> Wait, no, hang
0: on a sec. <laughs> Camel cigarettes. So it's Give here that the straw is fine. <laughs> it's to hear that the straw is finally broken that camel's back man she's had it with this goofy shit she ain't files for a divorce in a very upsetting scene that by the way for any child of divorce is astoundingly personal <laughs> look it's it's interesting
1: because this movie clearly like while it's goofy in some ways does hit home on a lot of pretty heavy themes i think it does a pretty good job of it too
0: it does it does he i mean he begs her to reconsider it's a sad scene and robin williams whenever he cries or whenever he's about to cry he has the saddest about to cry face because it looks like a little kid who's just skinned his fucking knee or something and is like Not,
1: not to bring down the mood of the podcast but i mean the man did have a lot of inner sadness in him yeah and it's and it's sad obviously that ultimately led to his death but it also like it brought out a lot of good acting in him as well you know not to sound insensitive about it but i mean the man knew how to use his emotion extremely well we we give we don't give him enough credit i think for being as good of an actor as he was like obviously he was goofy and he was funny and people loved him for genie and for mrs doubtfire and for being goofy but like he really did have a lot of great emotional range
0: yeah i mean from goodwill hunt he's turned in a number of dramatic performances but he has that ability to even in these comedies turn slightly dramatic without it ringing false yeah
1: He's a hairpin turn, man.
0: He moves in with his brother, Harvey Firestein, as Frank Hillard. Not seen on the show since what episode two? Independence Day? (laughs)
1: It's been a long time. And honestly, so happy to see him. Yeah. So, so happy. Like, honestly, my mood perked up when I saw him because he's i love him man he's He's great
0: unfortunately underused in this movie i think when you watch this and you haven't seen it in a while you expect him to be in it more because he makes such an impression but really he's only in i think two scenes really two or three scenes the whole movie
1: He gets like three scenes, one, and like one of them you can hardly call a scene. He's got like one line.
0: Yeah, but he's fantastic as this loud and out and proud brother of his who's this makeup artist with his uh, partner Jack who have this pretty sweet studio set up, by the way. Yeah. So the court ends up granting sole custody of the children to Miranda. Daniel gets to see the kids on Saturdays moving forward. However, shared custody is contingent on whether he finds a steady job and a suitable residence within three months.
1: Basically temporary, uh, dependent on
0: employment and stable living conditions. Understandable. Some of this, though, goes a little too far, with with respect to what I would assume happens in a divorce proceeding, with regard to this like
1: courtly, lia- yeah, court liaison. It's essentially like a social worker. I don't get it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, he's I on mean, parole. Yeah, I didn't know that this was a thing. If it is.
0: I mean I'm sure it may be, but she's checking in on hitting supposedly every two twice every week to check on the apartment in order. Every Monday. Not like twice three, a week. Three months yeah, from twice now. Twice
1: a week. Every Monday and Friday. Which why are you coming on Mondays and fr- like oh, you're going to come at the end of the week and then I'm going to do nothing for two days on a weekend and then you're going to come back on Monday and be like, so how was your weekend? I don't, like, what? Just
0: come on Friday night. A foolish waste of of, of government funds. (laughs) Ah, paying
1: so much money for court liaisons, man.
0: Fuck it. So he says goodbye to his kids, uh, packs up his car, heads off to find a job. And again, Natty's whispered dialogue. We're in the middle of Charlotte's Web. Who's going to finish it? (laughs) Learn how to read, you little bitch. (laughs) <laughs> so we finally meet that court appointed liaison it's Anne haney as mrs selner who you also may remember as greta in liar liar and this whole scene really is just an excuse for a super cut of robin williams voice impersonations you know fun stuff but almost all of them i would imagine would be unrecognizable to a kid today
1: <laughs> yeah i mean he's not really doing anything like Gen Z wouldn't get this, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, exactly. Although my my favorite joke probably in the whole movie um his impression of a hot dog. <laughs> it's fucking
0: It's it's just it's always funny. funny. That's yeah, that's It's
1: always funny. I think it's the best joke in this
0: movie. So we meet Stu Dunmire, who's come by to look over Miranda's sketches cuz I think she's an interior designer. Is that Is that what her job is?
1: Dude, I'm not I don't fucking know. Uh, they I never stopped paying fast. attention to the like the nitty gritty of this movie. I was like, "Why isn't he a woman
0: yet?" But well, doesn't matter because that stew, that hunk, it's James Bond himself, Pierce Brosnan. This is before GoldenEye, which was ninety five. So this is just before he becomes James Bond. He looks like skinnier. I mean, he's handsome as hell, but
1: like you can definitely tell he's a lot younger than anything i remember seeing him in after bond
0: yeah this is post lawnmower man and he is cut and Stu and miranda have some history former lovers they spend much of the runtime undressing each other with their eyes they want to fuck i mean you know good on both of them yeah good on both of them yeah who wouldn't want to bang forrest gump's mom that's right I love
1: Sally Field. Let's respect her. She's amazing. Let's respect yes, of course. Sally yep. Field. All right, please. you're
0: right. Brandon,
1: My apologies. It was a
0: throwaway joke. First off, it was a throwaway joke. I do that with men too. We're not we're talking about banging men as well, so it's an equal opportunist here.
1: We have a much higher bar here at Nostalgia Be Damned. I need you to get on board. Or that's the end look, of the podcast forever. Look,
0: I, I'm agreeing with this Sally Field amendment that we won't tarnish your name. I second it. It's passed, all right? Don't 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 tread on me, man.
1: She's hot, though.
0: Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, Smoking she's hot, the bandit though. era. Whoa,
1: <laughs> chill out, Brandon, please. <laughs>
0: Anyway. Where were we? Okay, so Daniel works to rebuild his life. He gets himself an apartment, a new job as a shipping clerk at a TV station.
1: They don't do that, by the
0: way, anymore. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Anyone watching this today is like, wait, what? They're shipping film reels out of a TV station? Dude,
1: I worked for a couple TV stations, and I'm like, that doesn't happen <laughs> anymore. That's all on computers <laughs> yeah. now.
0: Like, thank God, too, by the way. Like, oh, my Lord.
1: Holy fuck.
0: Yeah. I cannot imagine the stress so on saturday the kids tell him you know what dad you're not trying hard enough one day isn't enough and he blows up a bit when miranda arrives she's honking the horn outside because she's an hour fucking early then she just barges in no knocking not only is this not her house but she was an hour late dropping him off she also claims she has a shit ton of errands she's got to run which is why she doesn't have the time she's got to drop all this shit off she's got to hit up the bank by the way sally field what time is it it's dark out what are you doing yeah what
1: do all this shit earlier sally field not a fan of this. Yeah, no, it, his blow up here is like perfectly justified. I'd be rip roaring pissed.
0: Yeah, you're my goddamn kids too. And then we even get her, uh, you yeah. know, little Matilda repeating it. Yeah, that's true. That was funny. That was cute. He overhears that Miranda's putting up an ad in the paper for a nanny. A nanny, she's going to be paying 300 bones a week to take care of the kids. He asks, oh, by the way, this was super like uh, <laughs> condescending. He has to see the ad, and she's like, anything else you want to see? Oh, are you offering? Not anymore. Ooh, <laughs> rough. Ooh, bah, bah, bah. He makes a pretty good point here. He's like, "Why don't I just pick up the kids after school all these times? Like, you need help. I can do that. And guess what? You don't even have to pay me." And she's like, <laughs> "I'll think about it." Yikes!
1: I mean, you really don't want the father of your children to see them <laughs> that bad. I mean, look, there's plenty of situations in divorce where it's like, "No, you are not seeing my kids." But like, what what is he really that guilty of being a goofball? No, you're too much. You're too much of a goofball. You can't
0: pick up the kids. What? He's partying too hard with the kids, dude. <laughs> Whatever, man. But again, this comes down to how adults are sometimes shitty, and you know they use the kids as pawns, and even if they're not trying to, this just sort of happens when when two adults drift apart. Who gets the family Bible? You know what I mean? Sure. Over the next day, he calls her several times, doing all these different wackadoodle fucking voices to try and convince her this is a bad idea. One of the voices, by the way, he says, oh, I don't mess with the males because I used to be one, and she hangs up disgusted.
1: I know that's, you know what? If you're gonna drink at every uh, transphobic joke in this movie, that's shot number one of
0: several. Yeah, throw the coal in the train engine, man, because chugga choo choo. Full
1: steam ahead now, because it it that is like I remember seeing that and being like a little taken aback, like oh, you can't really talk like that anymore. And no, it, and I was like, and I don't know why I thought like it was gonna get better. The movies, it's a '90s era movie about a cross-dressing male. Like why, like.
0: What did you expect? <laughs> yeah,
1: why did I think like it was going to be any more sensitive moving forward for the next hour?
0: And I mean, this plot-wise is really where you have to start to suspend your disbelief by like, how does she not know this is Daniel or even suspect it's him considering his fucking crazy work voice work he's always doing?
1: Listen, man, you have to suspend your disbelief like this entire movie because honestly, how's he not caught right away? Like the second he walks in the door, I'd be like... <sighs> You're a man in a in, a, in makeup. Like, I, please leave. Please leave. Well, it's not even. It's like, oh, you're my ex-husband. Like, this is the concept of this is pretty illegal, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine this breaks some laws. Yeah, yeah, or at least some. Yeah.
1: Oh, I gave your wife full custody, and you are committing fraud to see your kids that you're legally not allowed to see no it's cool you're not going to jail exactly he's a dad he loves his kids
0: he just wants to see him zach jesus whatever kids aren't that great (sighs) he finally calls miranda as mrs euphigenia doubtfire a scottish accented nanny with strong credentials Miranda's pretty impressed so she invites mrs doubtfire over for an interview and how did she get the name doubtfire by the way zach He looked at a newspaper
1: headline that says police doubt fire was caused by whatever, (laughs) which is fucking honestly made me laugh because I was like, because I I, literally I was thinking right before that. I was like, how does he come up with the name? Mrs. Doubtfire. It is a little weird. And then I saw the newspaper headline. I was like, no fucking way. Like, what if she was reading the paper that day, too, by the way, and she's looking down because it's a massive fucking front page headline. She looks down. She's like, "Please, down. fire." wait a second. <laughs> Doubt
0: fire. You motherfucker. Wait, Daniel. Are you Robin Williams? So Daniel goes back to his uh, makeup artist brother, like we said, and his partner, Jack, to create essentially a prosthetic mask to make him look like an older woman. No questions asked about what he's using this for, by the way. You know, family's family, blood is blood. I'll do it.
1: No, he's just super excited that his brother asked him to dress him up as a woman.
0: (laughs) Yeah, make me a woman. He's like, oh, finally. And he hugs him and everything. Yeah. And you better fucking believe, Zach, we're going to get a makeup slash wig accent montage. I didn't. I didn't think this was coming and I definitely didn't need it. I like,
1: it was just like, there were points in this movie and I understand like they want to let Robin Williams go and they let him improvise a lot of stuff. But there were points in this movie where I was like, okay, like I don't need like this, like five minute montage of Robin Williams, just flexing his muscles, you know? Cause we do it like you do it once. Fine. We do it like five times in this movie of him just like going off and doing Robin Williams shit. And it's like, uh, okay, like it's a two hour movie. Let's let's move it along.
0: Sure, the and these these little transformations are impressive, but they're nothing compared to the final product of Mrs. Delphire. We finally meet her at 37 minutes in, I checked. Thank you. Like I said, incredible makeup transformation. They're, they're introduced to each other. They even mention uh, Stuart Little. Shout out, huh, Zach?
1: you catch that? Yeah, I knew you were going <laughs> to fucking say that. I knew you were going to fucking bring that up.
0: Fuck yeah, dude. You're welcome. Uh, Natty and Chris, they take a shine to Mrs. Delphire pretty quick. Lydia, a bit more standoffish, it seems. Miranda sort of feels like she might recognize Mrs. Delphire from someplace, but can't place who she reminds her of. Ugh, god damn it, Sally! Nevertheless, the interview is successful. She's hired. So Mrs. Delphire heads home to be startled by the appearance of Mrs. Selner, who's on time for her weekly appointments to check in on the apartment again. I don't know why, but here we are. It's Monday. But here we are. Yeah. So I mean, here we go. This he's forced to do this whole ordeal in which he must change very quickly in the other room to. Meet Mrs. Sellner as Daniel, claiming that Mrs. Delphire is his much older sister. It's the classic, like Tootsie and some like it hot routine, you know what I mean?
1: And I'm sure we won't get an entire second scene of this later on in the
0: movie. No, they wouldn't use that as like the climax of the movie, would they?
1: No. <laughs> no, because they already did it once. They wouldn't do it again.
0: No. he So he chats with her, you know, but at one oh, point. Oh, wait,
1: Brandon, you know what I just remembered? Yeah?
0: They they do this for the climax of the movie.
1: <laughs> <I> completely <laughs> forgot about that
0: fuck yeah you're right wow that's weird anyway sorry (laughs) no during this conversation though he mentions she can make a mean english tea so now she wants a cup so he has to then like run back in there really fast again to change it. into mrs Dowfire. why couldn't he just say oh i can make it too or something like that there's so many opportunities in this movie where they could just negate the you know lies by just you know skirting it or telling the truth or something so many
1: times where it's so easy to just be like there was there was one in particular that like really got me where it's like you literally have to come up with any
0: excuse, and like you just can't.
1: <laughs> like it just it pisses me
0: off. Yeah, he has to change really fast again into Dow Fire, but he knocks the mask out of the window on accident. It's run over by a dump truck and flattened, so he has to improvise with a lemon meringue pie. And we get this classic, you know, he shoves his face into that sweet sweet cream. Hello, dear. This is a meme now, you know what I mean? That's when you know it's really reached its cultural peak. Yeah, that's when you know the millennials and the Gen Z's got a hold of it. I didn't get any of his references, but I know this one. I haven't
1: seen this movie, but it's uh, one of my favorite memes.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen this movie, but it's one of my favorite movies.
1: I don't know who this guy is, but he's pretty. this is a pretty funny photo. <laughs> We're old. I love
0: Twitter. We're on that, by the way. Check it out oh nice little plug huh? Mid oh
1: you're getting better but at podcast you're getting better at podcast
0: i try it most people probably tune out by the end or have stopped so they probably never get to the plugs but they're there i mean the i'm not yeah
1: i'm not yeah we have a lot of plugs at the end if you don't listen to them we hate you
0: yeah stay tuned for the plugs <laughs> so
1: <laughs> please also we're we'll have a camel cigarettes ad at the end too <laughs> stay tuned for that that's gonna be fun
0: all of this somehow manages to fool Mrs. Sounder, though. Job accomplished. And thankfully, next day, he goes to his brother's house, who already has another mask. Good to go. <laughs> Thank God, man. You got a double maid suite.
1: And that's the last time we see him in the whole movie. Yeah,
0: damn it. What the fuck? Bullshit. Huh. Now, mind you, Robin Williams, Daniel, he's still working at the TV station. So now when he leaves work, he goes to change, then essentially gets paid to be a dad because he's getting that 300 bones on the side as the nanny. He's doing pretty well for himself. And you um, know
1: what? Big flaw in this movie. He should have been paying child support. So <laughs> is he really making money or is he stealing money from his wife that he should be paying her? It's
0: very confusing. <laughs> Not only did you violate your court order, sir, you refused to pay child support and then disguised yourself as a nanny to then receive money and payment from your wife.
1: Over the course of two months, <laughs> made. At least two grand off of your wife, so I'm sorry, you gotta go
0: to jail. (laughs) Well, I plead insanity, I'm crazy for my kids. Ew, dude, that was the (laughs) grossest line in this movie, we'll get to that. Mrs. Doubtfire, though, she is pretty strict. She puts the kids to work, not only with studies, but manual labor.
1: They can't, they're not allowed to watch the Dick Van Dyke show. (laughs) Oh,
0: fuck, dude, that ruined my whole night.
1: Fuck, I know, and you know... Classic, like 90s kids (laughs) show, The Dick Van Dyke Show. I love nothing better than just kicking back in the late 90s with a little
0: DVD, dude.
1: get the fuck out of here no
0: come on teenage mutant ninja turtles or something yeah yeah. that's
1: how you know this script was written by old people where they're like no these kids love dick van dyke it's either that or Gunsmoke, or i walk <laughs> if you really want to get crazy they can watch three
0: stooges but i don't know i feel like that's a little blue isn't that a little blue and it feels a
1: little blue they can watch <laughs> i love lucy but i swear to god if nickelodeon's on this show were Canning the whole fucking film.
0: So Daniel's been doing good with cleaning and whatnot, but he can't cook worth his shit. He fucks up dinner. This is where Mrs. Doubtfire's titties catch fire. And uh, he orders some takeout. The family is super impressed by this meal, and I remember as a kid seeing this meal be meal be laid out and prepared. It looks like fucking high, like fine falutin dining, right? It does yeah, looks delicious. <laughs> this looks fancy as fuck. It's pretty much just carrots and some slop, but it looks good. Yeah, family super impressed. Even Lydia seems to be turning around at this point on Mrs. fire That night, though, the horny bus driver. It's on mrs delphire once again even after seeing the stockings pulled down revealing very hairy legs that's his turn on that's his kink it seemed right
1: some people are into that man sure which, man sure which i don't know if you've seen my legs before get, everybody who loves hairy legs get on board my legs <laughs>
0: <laughs> like a dog. Like a dog. Uh, Zach, if there was one song that you would think in the history of music that you would put to a montage about a guy who dresses as a woman, what would that song be? Any song.
1: You mean like a dude who dresses like a lady?
0: I would say a dude who maybe looks female, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is the 90s, so it would have to be a band that like had outstayed its welcome a little bit, like Aerosmith um oh rock like a man from frankie valley in the five seasons oh that's later in the movie i'm sorry uh dude looks like a lady by Aerosmith.
0: oh i love it i love this montage this thing's been seared into my memory him dancing with this vacuum and fighting off a mugger i'll i'll die remembering this montage
1: I have never, ever, ever heard Dude Looks Like a Lady without thinking of Mrs. Doubtfire. It, like, it's synonymous.
0: It seems strange that the song even exists outside this movie. It should have been written for the movie. The fact that it was written before blows my mind.
1: <laughs> I've heard it on the radio before, and I don't like it. It's yeah, you're like, looking
0: around to see if someone's playing a copy of Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> somewhere. Mrs. Doubtfire?
1: It's bizarre. <laughs> it's not a good song. No,
0: no, not entirely, but it's a good montage. We also learn that Stu and Miranda have been dating. And this is when Mrs. Doubtfire and Stu finally meet. It is immediately contentious. She even tries to convince Miranda not to date Stu, even going so far as to suggest she should remain celibate. Dude, if I,
1: if I'm the wife in this situation and like all this is done and I find out that my ex-husband's been doing this and he's the one who's been playing active defense against my happiness to move on i probably kill him right? Like i probably kill him
0: Yeah <laughs> He's actively twat blogging her yeah. the entire movie It's Fuck It's so fucked up Yeah and for her that should be another red flag because we all know the real Mrs. Doubtfire would fuck
1: Dude oh my god Mrs. Doubtfire fucks
0: everything <laughs>
1: Look at that woman. She even like I remember they have like a conversation when Sally Fields asks her like, "You know, how long did it take after your husband died?" And she's like, "Oh, I never, ever wanted to date again." It's like, please, everybody knows Mrs. Doubtfire is the dirtiest old lady on the block. <laughs> Get over it. We know.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, Mrs. Duff, Delf- we haven't talked about the actual makeup itself, but she looks like a doting old like British nanny essentially, but she's still the size of Robin Williams and she always wears long-sleeved shirts. I noticed to always cover up the hairy arms.
1: It is like the biggest red flag from the looks because it does she does look like an old British lady. But the biggest red flag from the looks is the sheer mass. I mean, like, they even make a joke. They're like, wow, you could play for the 49ers. And it's like, honestly, the size of definitely could.
0: <laughs> and Robin Williams, not a, not a big man. But for some reason, all this added get up, all the extra clothes he's wearing, really makes him seem imposing almost.
1: Well, that, and they put him next to, like, Sally Field and, you know, teeny tiny children. He looks like a fucking giant compared to these people.
0: Until he's standing next to fucking 007, you know what I yeah,
1: mean? Yeah, well, I mean, we all look small next to Pierce Brosnan.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not 007 no. inches, you know what I mean. <laughs> 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 yeah, so <sighs> have
1: we had a have we had a fart joke in this movie, by the way? Was there a single fart joke? Oh
0: my god. Are you kidding me, dude?
1: <laughs> so what are your thoughts, Brandon? I think it's probably a fucking five. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. Wow, that really set me back. Honestly, that threw me for a loop. I didn't notice. Wow. I mean, Sans farts. That's That hurts.
1: It seems like such an easy thing to do, especially considering what happens next.
0: Yeah, I mean, we do get a pee joke right here. Uh, after Stu and Miranda have left on a date, Chris walks in on Mrs. Doubtfire taking a piss. And because it's his dad. He's standing up. Chris is horrified by this. He freaks out so much so that he begs Lydia to call the cops. (laughs)
1: Yeah, this is, again, where it starts to get, like, a little, listen, I understand it's shocking. Like, your nanny, who you perceive to be a woman the whole time, you know, has man bits. That said, no reason to call the cops or, like, defend yourself with a racket, just kind of like,
0: you know. Well, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, but the fact that, you know, it's not like a mask is being torn off or anything to reveal this is some sort of imposter. It's still Mrs. Doubtfire just standing up peeing. Who knows? Maybe she's got some, like, Catherine Hahn stepbrothers style of urination tactics that allows her to pee standing up with a vagina, with a penis, whatever.
1: I think it's implied that he sees the whole package.
0: Oh, you so you think he flashed the dick.
1: Well, because they ask, she asks him, the sister asks him, you know, she's got... She's got all of them? She's like, yeah. Wow. He's got got all of it. Hmm. So uh, if anything, the more traumatizing thing here is that a woman who you thought was a nanny turned out to be your father. And by the way, you just saw his dick and balls. So, you know, pack all that into one box and seal it away somewhere in your memory.
0: Yeah, it clearly disturbs Chris because he's too freaked out to even hug his dad. He's like, oh, it must be a guy thing because he's just so freaked out he can't do it. Can't process no, that information.
1: It's, it's not even that. I just, I saw your dick and I... <laughs> yeah.
0: Why There's isn't nine. mine that big yet? Yeah. <laughs> There was just a disapproving, like, sigh of anger and, like, why am I fucking doing this
1: podcast with you? Great fucking joke, dude. Come on,
0: man. You know, it's
1: almost, it's almost, it's 10 o'clock where I'm at. Why don't you fucking get with the program?
0: (laughs) Um,. So Chris is disturbed, but again, they all agree to keep it a secret. And we also find out more during this conversation later on about why Miranda and Daniel's relationship ended. Cause she's actually having a conversation with Mrs. Doubtfire. And we find out that like, she didn't like who she was with him because she'd have to be the responsible asshole in the relationship. And he never wanted to talk about anything serious. He was just a fucking goofball all the time.
1: By the way, I thought it was going to play way more into the movie that the kids suddenly know who Mrs. Doubtfire is. It like, doesn't
0: really. No, I, I would anticipate them maybe helping him keep up the charade at some point. You know, maybe like they have to help him out in the restaurant. Maybe doing or- like a
1: little parent trap. You know, sabotage the country club date thing.
0: Yeah, you no, know, the kids
1: are just like, okay, we're on board. And, like, move on and don't say anything about it.
0: Yeah, other than a few stares realizing, like, oh, we know what's going on. It's almost dropped immediately. And the the youngest daughter, she still doesn't know because, you know, she'd fucking spill the beans.
1: She's a tiny kid and tiny children are idiots.
0: At the club, though, at this posh country club, Mrs. Delfire keeps making tiny dick jokes to Stu she heads off for a drink while everyone else goes for a swim cuz obviously can't get naked and at at this point we overhear Stu's conversation with one of his colleagues about his honest to god affections for Miranda and the kids dude he's he's a really good guy he seems he's nice he's successful he's hunky this guy's a great catch i was going to say i
1: i remember watching this as a kid and just like identifying him as like that's the villain that's a bad guy now you're watching this and it's like I mean, not really. Like he's a guy who supposedly was like not interested in kids, but he's met a woman who he's like, you know what? I'll do anything for this woman. I'll, you know, I'll love her kids. That's fine. And he's like rich and he's good looking and he's super polite to everybody. He even like later on wants to include Mrs. Doubtfire cause he's like, yeah, I don't really like Mrs. Doubtfire, but like, I understand how important she is to your fit. He's like the nicest fucking guy in the world. He's not a villain.
0: Yeah. He even goes as far as saying, "Like no, I like they're really good kids. I really love them too." It, it's like in the original script I read, he was meant to be kind of your antagonist, really built up as this guy who is, you know, trying to take the 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 wife away from the father as well as from the children, really. But then I think Chris Columbus said that would ruin the relationship with Mrs. Doubtfire, is what he said, and so he wanted him to be kind of a, a personable guy.
1: I also think in this movie where it's clearly a movie, like whether or not. You know, you want to look into it this deep, but it's clearly a movie about divorce. And I think that sends the wrong message to children of divorce, where this guy is like, you know, if you're in that situation and like your mom is meeting some guy, you don't want to give off this impression in this movie that like, no, the new guy's evil, man. You don't want any
0: of that smoke. That's true. It's fairly a responsible message. Yeah, I'd agree. It's
1: incredibly responsible. Like, it's it's weird. I just didn't really see that character going in that direction. I kind of respected from a movie standpoint.
0: Agreed. So while working one day, Daniel is seen by the station's CEO, Jonathan Lundy. This is Robert Prosky. He's playing with toy dinosaurs on the set of this canceled children's show. He's doing his, you know, voice acting impressions. And the, the the CEO guy is actually impressed by all this. So impressed that he invites Daniel for a dinner to discuss giving him his own fucking TV show as a host.
1: Which is so fucking bizarre, by the way, because this improv that he's doing with the dinosaurs is, like,
0: not funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he's completely alone. No audience for this. There's a difference between childlike energy and fucking possible insanity.
1: He's doing, like, yeah, he's doing, like... Elvis impressions with the dinosaurs. It's like, what
0: it's what comedians do to impersonate Robin Williams when it's like, oh, oh exactly. Oh, 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 oh. exactly. Like it is like That's the carrot wing. It's the caricature of
1: Robin Williams where it's like, okay, like, we understand that we're working with a comedy legend here. We don't need to suck his dick. We don't need to. Th- we don't need to pretend that his least funny bit in the entire movie is like so good that the CEO, that the president of a television station's, like, I want to give you a big role
0: here, <laughs> the shipping clerk in the back. Yeah,
1: exactly. So the
0: uh, they agree to meet at Bridges Friday at seven. But wouldn't you know it? That's the same night as Miranda's birthday and the same night that Mrs. Doubtfire has agreed to accompany the family on a date with Stu. And it's the same time and place.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. And by the way, this is the part that I referenced earlier where it's like literally any excuse. You have to come up with any fucking excuse not to go to that dinner. And this whole thing goes away. It's so goddamn fucking easy because like she comes up with something, she's like, "Oh no, I can't! I have bingo night," and she's like, "Well, cancel it," and like gets peer pressured into going to that dinner. All you have to do is be like, literally, fucking
0: anything. Family, like, a uh, doctor's doctor. appointment, anything. This is off, and not to mention, this isn't even during hours like her typical hours. I think it's like a Friday night or some shit. I don't. It's know.
1: after. It's after she would go home. Yeah. So it's it's literally just like, no, I've got dinner with like a, a close friend of mine sorry like yeah i would love to go but i can't literally like just anything man and again suspend your disbelief for the movie however this infuriated me beyond <laughs> any reason because i was like literally just say anything anything to be like no i'm not going and this whole thing goes away
0: Reading uh, Roger Ebert's reviews over the years, he, that's the thing he keeps bringing up. It's the thing he hates most in movies: is just characters refusing to just say one thing that will easily move the plot along or fix this, you know, snafu, and they refuse yeah. to do it because then the rest of the movie doesn't happen. It
1: exactly, and you know, you have to have those moments in movies for it to be movies. But at the same time, let's let's figure out a, a, a plot. You know, like let's let's figure out how to make this into a different sort of plot. <laughs> Oh, my God. Good
0: for you. (sighs) And so begins the, I guess, the climax, right, I suppose, of Mrs. Doubtfire, in which... Daniel has to switch back and forth between these two tables. So he's, you know, first shoveling Chardonnay down as Mrs. Delphire. Then he'll go over to the other table, switch in the bathroom, come out as Daniel, and then drink scotch with the boss. So he's getting fucking blasted. Yeah, he's getting shmammed. And uh, he does this several times. After overhearing dared. that Stu, though, is allergic to pepper, Daniel sneaks into the kitchen, seasons Stu's order of jambalaya with some powdered cayenne pepper. So
1: mean, man. He's like a... So honestly, this whole movie just makes me feel bad for that character
0: because I'm like, why is he like picking on him? He's a good guy. He is, yeah. And it's sad that his resol- he doesn't really get much of a resolution either. This is really the last scene we see him, too. Yeah, no, this is pretty much it. But Robin Williams slips up when he accidentally returns to his boss in his Mrs. Delfire costume, but quickly... he's fucking
1: drunk as hell, by he's
0: the way. hammered, just hammered, stumbling around, knocking into shit. But he quickly claims that he, this is a character. This is the Mrs. Delfire character. His idea for the show is to host as this old woman. And Lundy, understandably, doesn't really understand the premise, uh, but goes along with it anyway.
1: Or why you would do this at, like, a dinner. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. But Whatever. Stu starts choking on his dinner from across the uh, way there, and Mrs. Delphire performs the Heimlich to save him. And in doing so, the mask is removed, you know, the charade ends, and Miranda loses her goddamn mind.
1: Understandably, this is s- such a fucked up thing. Like, the this, premise whole of this, time, movie, this whole time, this whole time! I don't think we've really, like, stopped and talked about it. The premise of this movie is so, so so fucked up (laughs) it just is it's so weird like why would anybody think that this is like the right solution to do anything like honestly they make light of it later when they're like i feel like you need psychiatric help like i think he does like because (laughs) just like not that he would dress up as a woman but like the idea that he thinks like this is going this is a great idea this is how I, this is how I'm going to see my kids. Like, what? no, man, get, get a better lawyer. Do like anything, like get a job. Oh, get a job and an apartment like the court asked you to and move on with your life. Because literally, if you just do that,
0: you get to split custody, like just become a better parent. No, dude, he's going to go through with this like Batman villain plot. <laughs>
1: He is the joker. He's the joker.
0: You know what I am really glad doesn't happen in this scene? No one faints. Most 90s movies, I bet someone was going to faint when they heard this information or they saw the real, you know, the the reveal is made. I feel like in lesser hands, someone's fading. Thankfully, everyone just leaves infuriated.
1: <laughs> but again, you know how many times this big bulky man went into a woman's room stall and didn't
0: fart? Wow, thanks. You brought me back Come down on. to earth. Yeah, reeled back in my Yeah, okay, thanks, man.
1: Yeah. No, I feel like you were I feel like you were yeah. too high on this script. And I just needed to remind you like there was some really really low-hanging fruit and they still refused to pick it.
0: Yeah, I needed a cultured taste-maker to remind me what what's good. This is kind
1: of a bullshit movie, is what I'm <laughs> Come saying. Come on, man.
0: You. Well, their next custody hearing, <sighs> Daniel makes a a stirring speech in which he points out that he has met the judge's requirements. He explains his actions. You know what? I've I've got a place. It looks nice. I've been there three months. Got a job even not ripping off my ex-wife. So, you know, let me have my kids back. But, you know, the judge, while sympathetic to Daniel, is understandably disturbed by his ruse.
1: He doesn't buy it. He's like, I feel like what I just heard was like, a really good speech from an actor, which you can like you can forgive the judge for Think I think any judge of sound mind probably thinks this, too. Like, hey, look, man, you fooled like everybody for months, like doing something pretty fucking crazy and wild and and just wrong. I don't think I'd like have to believe you.
0: then d- he does this whole like melodramatic pleading of insanity. Yeah, because he's crazy for them kids. The uh, judge grants Miranda full custody. He even goes as far as further restricting Daniel's rights to supervised Saturday visits, which devastates him. And we see the family later on without Mrs. Doubtfire. They're kind of miserable. They can't find any nanny like her because she isn't real. (laughs) But it's at that moment they hear Mrs. Doubtfire's voice. It's the premiere of a new children's show called Euphigenia's House. Which becomes a hit yeah. and starts airing across the country. Why would it not be called Mrs. Doubtfire's house? Or how is Euphigenia better than Doubtfire? Why isn't it just called Mrs. Doubtfire?
1: Euphigenia's <laughs> i can't even. house is the stupidest name for a TV show ever. This—I you know what? He might be the worst television executive in the fucking
0: world. <laughs> He's watching this though, because then it shows them like shooting on set, though, and he's like, "Fuck, yeah, man, this is the best we have show we've got
1: fucking gold." <laughs> well, then name it something that kids can pronounce.
0: <laughs> while this old lady rattles on with puppets and shit and like a puppet monkey next to her and all this stuff. to be fair, I love puppets. <laughs> Oh, we all love puppets. This is basically like a Muppets or a Sesame Street style show. It's like Mr. Rod. It.
1: It's Mr. Rod or er, yeah, Mr. Mrs. Rogers.
0: Rogers, if you will, because how infuriated do you think parents would be at the notion of this? Or I mean, this doesn't happen in 2020, right? <laughs> no, you don't
1: give you don't give this role to a white man. Are you fucking kidding me? No, people lose their mind if you do this.
0: <laughs> Hashtag time's up for Euphigenia. Yeah. yeah Euphigenia is not
1: a thing in 2020. Um i mean but even in the 90s i see i think what's problematic in the 90s is that like yeah kids would love it and wouldn't know the difference but like parents would be laughing at it you know what i mean like it's just it it would be i think it's problematic even back then
0: miranda visits daniel on set one afternoon and when he recognizes her, he goes all serious while still in the Mrs. Doubtfire getup. And every time this happens in the movie, it's only a few times. But when Mrs. Doubtfire speaks with Robin Williams' voice, it is unsettling and hilarious to me all at the jarring. same time every time it happens.
1: It's <laughs> jarring. It's jarring. It's
0: not. It's, it's uncomfortable. But Miranda admits, you know, things were better when you were involved. She agrees to change the custody arrangement because the kids need you, Daniel. And the next day, he comes to get the kids for his new schedule. He's getting them a few hours after school every day. And here at the end, I will honestly admit that this this part of the movie always kind of gets to me, especially from just you know being in a family like this where she says that like Daniel's taking the kids out and an episode of fucking Euphogenia's House is on. And Mrs. Doubtfire answers a letter from a little girl whose parents have separated. And she says, you know... Love makes a family a family no matter the distance between its members. It doesn't matter if they're together or not. You know, ultimately, your parents may stop loving each other, but they'll never stop loving you. Beautiful. It's a nice note. It is a nice note to go out on. And that is, you know, Mrs. Dowfire.
1: Yeah. Mm. What are
0: your thoughts, dude?
1: Dude, I like this movie. It, like, I honestly, I don't always feel the nostalgia when we do movies on this podcast. Like, for whatever reason, it it. Rarely hits me. I think we just did like out of the nature of what we're doing. I, I try not to watch it with nostalgia. This is one of the rare instances where like it popped in and I instantly was just like, God damn it. I remember watching this movie like on the couch with my mother. It really kind of hit home for me. And you know what? Um, I liked it as a kid because it was, you know, goofy because it was Robin Williams dressed as a woman running around. Now I watch it as an adult, and, dude, I think it's a really good movie. I think it is well-made. Um, yeah, there are some things that, like, don't fly now <laughs> that we that you have to address in a different way now. But I think it's got really good themes. I think it's got a really good message. Robin Williams is really, really good in it. There are a couple of scenes where it's like, okay, we get it. He's doing Robin Williams That happens, I think, in almost every Robin Williams movie. I I think I have at least one. I love the man, but I think I have one instance at least in every single movie he's in, where I'm like, okay, we get it. Like you're doing Robin Williams. (laughs) Like, but you know that can be forgiven because I think he's brilliant and everything else. Uh, Everything else about it, I think, holds up really well. Um, The makeup certainly does. I mean, the makeup looks phenomenal still. And and I can just picture some media company now CGIing the crap out of this movie. I'm gonna go ahead and give it an 85. It had a 71 on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's way better than a 71. I think it's, it is a fresh movie. I think you can watch this movie with your kids, but I think you have to be prepared to have a different conversation about it um, because there are a lot of trans jokes that don't fly in it anymore. Other than that, I think it's pretty good.
0: I agree, like first and foremost, this movie brought me back. I was flooded with nostalgia from the entire runtime. Not only because of my countless memories of watching this movie with my family, but I was also reminded of just the emotions I felt when my mom and dad were getting divorced. Those like feelings of shame and confusion and helplessness you have as a child in the midst of this life changing event like that. You know, they all feel so vivid, but those memories dull over time but to me, it's movies like this that evoke that feeling of innocence the same way Stand By Me reminded me of like the first friends I met as a kid. Sure. Mrs. Doubtfire as a movie, though, separated from all those feelings, I still think is largely successful. It's a phenomenal showcase for Robin Williams. He's honestly on another level in this movie, truly one of the most talented comedians of his time. And this performance is one of his very best. There's a lot in here that may not hold up in terms of its political correctness for a younger audience. However, like you, I don't think it's anything so offensive that it couldn't be explained in simple terms to a child or a teen as to why that's not okay. But Exactly. I think this movie still hits home for children of divorce in particular, but I do believe it can be enjoyed by today's kids of any upbringing and is well worth a revisit if you haven't seen it in years. A little overlong, I will say, and you have to really suspend that disbelief through much of it to even function as a movie. <laughs> totally.
1: But yeah that was yeah that was something i was thinking too it is a little long it's
0: 120 minutes
1: could be or even more than that i think
0: yeah i think it's an hour 20 uh two hours and five minutes or so yeah yeah it's just a little long but
1: other than that it's pretty good
0: it is excessively broad a little sentimental but also super funny one of the best of its kind i'll bump it up too i think it's probably 75 80 i agree it's up there man that was was a really good movie and i'm glad we watched it
1: me too all right um real quick real real quick before we get into what we're doing next week any recommendations you want to give
0: oh yeah the only one i really watched uh, was the king of staten island judd apatow's new movie with pete davidson
1: you know i semi autobotic graphic. it is right?
0: yeah dude i gotta say bill burr fucking makes the movie i love that man and he's so good in this movie really good supporting cast it all it all kind of is dependent on if you can even stand pete davidson if you can stand him I'd say watch the movie because he does turn in a pretty decent performance. The only fault of the movie is that you really dislike the character for, I'd say, 75% until he finally starts to have that arc where you're like, finally, holy shit. But funny funny bits, yeah. similar to other Judd Apatow movies in where it's way too long, but at the same time, it's funny. Better than Trainwreck in This Is 480, I'd say. His best movie since Funny
1: People. Awesome, man. Um, I didn't watch anything. <laughs>
0: Hey, that's okay, brother. I know you're busy. I know you're busy right now with with Phoebe. I think what she's up and running about now.
1: Yeah, man. I pretty much turn on South Park. Like I, I I'm watching reruns of South Park because, like, when she finally falls asleep, I just like want to sit down and turn off my fucking brain. Um, <laughs> so that's all I'm watching. Just South Park. It's great. Watch South Park. Uh, old yeah, South I was Park, say. really good. Uh, it's also taught me that history is a fucking circle, because there are some things that we're still talking about today as fucked up that South Park addressed many, many, many years ago.
0: Ugh, that show. Genius. Genius. The earlier stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of the new seasons, eh, Yeah. You know, nah, <laughs> not my favorite, but uh, that show in its prime, unbeatable.
0: Well, we're headed back to 1995 for next week's movie. It's an animated movie. I think this is our first animated movie since Shark Tale, like back in September. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I'm looking forward to it, though. This is a movie that I never saw in theaters, but I saw it a million, million times in school because for whatever reason, teachers love this fucking movie. Dude, 1995's Balto. (laughs)
0: I don't think anyone saw this movie in theaters man this made like nothing but i think was a big hit on 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 vhs because i remember renting this several times from the old local gas station video store brah sure um
1: again like i think i must have seen this movie like five times in school that's not even a joke like i don't know why teachers love this movie but if you're a teacher and you loved Balto, let us know
0: yeah, and stay tuned for next week. I think it's, I think it's streaming on one of these fucking sites. So be sure. It's to check probably it out. Disney or when it, you know, I don't. It's out there enough. somewhere. But uh, mm-hmm. if you want to check out th- that episode and previous episodes, check out our original hosted site on Podbean. That's nbd.podbean.com. You can also shoot us a message for a request or anything at nostalgia be at gmail.com.
1: Brandon mentioned nbd.podbean.com. You can also check us out on iTunes and Spotify and a couple other podcasting apps that i don't know about
0: <laughs> yeah or feel free to shoot us a message on instagram facebook and uh twitter that's right we mentioned that earlier
1: yep twitter huh. uh we also mentioned two um camel cigarettes they go down really smooth
0: <laughs> no exactly they're i mentioned it several fucking, times we nope, cannot keep su- doing for ads for businesses that have cool. not contacted camel us.
1: cigarettes <laughs> are so fucking cool um <laughs> i'm probably gonna as soon as we're done i'm probably gonna light up a camel cigarette like right now um, maybe on air. This is going to be fucking Price, sweet. I'm
0: cutting all of this. Nah, no, Nah, nah. Don't worry about it. In, nah, we're going to make c- money. C-
1: Start giving us money uh, and we won't have to plug Camel Cigarettes at the end Jesus of our podcast.
0: Christ, be nice, people. And don't smoke. Unless it's Cam. <laughs>